Thank you, Lord. Well, actually, get, I get to use my Bible tonight. Hallelujah. Uh, please open up to Romans, a book you haven't been in, probably never been in before, Romans chapter 8. And then also put a marker in Joshua chapter 10. And we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit also helps our infirmities, but look at it from Scripture today. Hallelujah. So, of course, Dave eloquently taught us for years out of Romans chapter 8, you know, we'd conference after conference. Oh, this year it's going to be something new. This year, this year we're going to hear something, something, a new revelation. And at conference, we'd all come with great expectation. And the very first thing opened to Romans chapter 8. And thank God he did, you know, a mark of a good teacher is as they repeat, you don't, you don't, didn't learn your ABCs by doing them once, and you didn't learn your multiplication tables by hearing them once. Repetition is a good teacher. So let's look at Romans 8.26. We're going to launch from there tonight. We look at the role of the Holy Spirit also helps us with our infirmities. And I, ha- I got instruction from him to ask this question. Now, nobody answer it. <laughs> but what if I was to ask you? What if I held up the impossible box, in case there's people that's never seen it, this is our impossible box, and we don't mean it's impossible to God at all, but according to the world, these pictures represent impossible cases, even with modern medical science, with all the best that man knows and religion knows. I mean, there's not a ministry or a hospital anywhere on earth where we can take Victoria, who was born with a partial brain. She has enough brain to run her body. Her lungs operate, and she can eat and digest, but she has to be fed. So she has enough brain to run her body. She can stay alive, but she can't learn language. She can't communicate. She can't really feed herself. She, You know, that's not God's plan. And there's no hospital and there's no ministry anywhere on planet Earth right now. If there was, we'd go there. We'd take her there. It's not a pride thing, you know, but there's not one unless by the gifts. Now, the gift through the gifts, anything's possible. But I mean, like we confess it, calling in the lost first time, every time, no exceptions, all of them. Okay. so here's the question that I was allowed to ask. Don't answer. When we were all and many of you weren't here, B, raise your hand. There's B, beautiful B, her sister, Helena, which Helena is just a wonderful person, and she used to come to our Bible studies all those years ago back at the, in our home. But she developed uh, terminal cancer. And it's not just her. I'm just mentioning her because B is here. But we had, we've had Mary Corbett, and we've had so many, male and female, over the years. And we've all prayed. Dave has prayed. We've prayed more than once. We've laid hands on. We've confessed. We, We've done everything. Intercessor groups would make intercession. We did everything we knew to do. Now, here's the question. How many of you were holding back on, on your, your faith when you prayed for Helena? See, aren't you glad I told you not to answer? Well, we didn't go. Well, none of us held back. We were giving it everything we had. I like how Dave put it. We were... We were milking every cell, every fiber of our being for faith. It's not through lack of want to. It's not through lack of desire. It's not really through a lack of 
exactly knowledge. We all know that God's perfect plan was for her to be healed. So when the disciples asked Jesus, when they prayed for that epileptic boy and they couldn't get him healed, yet Jesus prayed and got him healed, they asked, why, why didn't it happen when we prayed? And I like how Dave would say it. Dave would always say, why did they ask him privately? Because they knew if he asked them publicly, he would answer publicly. Because <laughs> we don't like the answer. Why didn't it? So we could ask about Helena. Why did she not get healed when we prayed? And his answer would not be any different to us than it was to them. Because of your unbelief. Now, I have examined myself. I know you have examined yourself. We have searched on a search and destroy mission <laughs> to destroy unbelief. And we did it all that time that we were staying. It was a long, slow, oh, I hate it with a passion. I know B hates it worse than me. And we all examined everything in us. That's why Jesus said, this kind. It's because of your unbelief. This kind. This kind of what? It's not, it, it's not that it's a big bad devil. No. This kind of unbelief comes not out except by prayer and fasting. Well, what kind of prayer? Should I just pray? Lord, I pray I no longer have unbelief. Will that work? See, we don't know what it is. That's the problem. We don't know what it is in us that's keeping us in a in a space as, as a, a position of unbelief. We don't even know what it is in us because to us we're not in unbelief. The disciples weren't. They had been casting out devils before. That's why they asked him, Lord, we've cast out many devils. How come the, how come it didn't leave when we prayed? It's because of your unbelief. This kind cometh not out. This kind of unbelief cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. Well, it's not the kind of prayer you can pray in English. Because if I knew what the problem was in me, I'd pray it. You know, I can, I can do an end result type prayer. I pray there's no longer any unbelief in me. How many think that's going to work? It's not going to work. But there's unbelief in Gary. There's unbelief in us. All right. That's why. Romans 8.26, thank God for Pastor Dave, who would just faithfully take us back again and again. Likewise, now we're going to come back to likewise. That means in the same way. That's whatever he's been talking about up to this point, likewise, in a similar fashion, the same way, the Spirit, and here's capital S and it should be capital S, the Holy Spirit also, boy, if you underline, also, 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 in the same way as something else that he's already been talking about in this chapter, the Holy Spirit joins with, also, in the same way, helps our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought. I don't know how to pray the unbelief out of me and in my known language. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to go after. I don't even know what words to use. But there is somebody who searches the hearts, that knows exactly what's wrong with Gary, what kind of unbelief is in Gary. And if I'll let him, he will also help with those infirmities, whatever that is, in me, that's not believing. He'll, he'll, 
he'll mortify it. He'll put it to death. I'll back up just a little bit in the same chapter. Because what does he mean? Likewise, in the same way, the Holy Spirit also helps. Well, because the first help is the new nature. Up through verse 16, <clears throat> in chapter 8, <clears throat> no matter that it's capitalized very often in our King James Bible, which we love, it should be a little less every time. The first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned is in verse 16. Leading up to there every time, it's a little less. It's talking about the new nature. and This is the born-again trail, which I obviously can't <laughs> do, you know, 60 volumes. I can't, or 60 lessons. But this is the born-again trail. This is the first level of help. This is the first help we got against our infirmities. And let's just jump down to verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you threw the Spirit, and that that's a little s there. If you threw the new nature, do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body. You shall live. So the, this first level of help against the infirmities of the flesh, first level of help comes from the new nature. And that's that first two weeks. It, like Gary got born again, there's a new sheriff in town. And I mean, even in the first, first right away, pornography had to go. My, my bad music had to go. My drinking alcohol had to go. Living for money had to go. I mean, that was quick, powerful too. And boy, it spoke. It didn't, and it didn't, it, you know, it came in like, like it was Lord or something. <laughs> you know, and really, Paul at one point says, you know, if you've been taught by Christ, that's you being taught by Christ. That's his nature you got. And he's telling you who you are now. And you don't do this anymore. This is, you know, you, that's a deed of the flesh. It needs to die. That pornography's gotta go. That alcohol's gotta go. That cussing has gotta go. That living for mammon has gotta go. On and on and on it went. That's the first level of help we get against the infirmities of the flesh. But that didn't take really very long. Then there was some things that I did not yield to that took a long time to mortify. That wasn't his fault. But then there's things that I don't even know how to put off. I don't know what it is in me. That restrained the almighty hand of the Holy Spirit from reaching through and healing. Helena it makes me cry to this day. Mary Corbett and others that we've lost. Rudy. Well, when we know not what to pray as we ought, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit also, also helps with our infirmities. And Dave would just eloquently teach. He said he'll go after whatever that is. For sure he'll go after any sin that you, maybe you don't even realize it's sin because of the culture or whatever. He'll, sure he'll go after those things, but more importantly, he'll go after whatever it is in you that does not believe, that you don't even know is in you. He will go after it and he will destroy it. Because he also, the same way that the Holy Spirit comes. Now, it's always in, with cooperation with us. He never overrides your will. But he'll, he'll show it to you where you, it can be, that, that Jericho can come down. Every stronghold can come down. Now the perfect type and shadow of this is Joshua 10. I'm, I alluded to it this morning. And uh, we'll just go look at it. It is such a perfect type and shadow. 
Joshua t- chapter 10. And, uh, <clears throat> all right. We're going to, uh, I'm, I'm after some verses later on, but I, I want the context. Okay. Let's get the context here. So we'll start in verse one. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time for my Oklahoma pronunciation of these names. When I come to Mr. Abba-Jabba-Dabba-Baba, you know, I'll do my best, okay? So now when it came to pass, see that guy right there? When Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king. And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. Boy, there's so much teaching there. Then they, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Horam, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Jophia, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, in other words, join forces, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon. For it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings, you ever feel like five kings that came out against you? It wasn't just the car went, had the tire, <laughs> went flat, and <laughs> dog bit you on the way out the door, and your children rebelled, and for some reason your left elbow began to ache. <laughs> it's like five kings come out against you, you know. Anyway, therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, and they and all of their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. But now Gibeon had made a peace treaty with Israel. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. Well, Joshua had made a treaty with them, even though he really wasn't supposed to. But, see, God swears to his own hurt and changes not. Once you give your word, you gave it. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. Now, right now, I want you to think about all these five kings. Now, see, our battle is not with flesh and blood, right? But the type and shadow, there's something that has come against us called unbelief. Okay, it's encamped about us. It's making war with us, and it's keeping us from having victory over cancer, for example, and over other things when we pray. So, we, so okay, that's what we're thinking here now. So, all right. So the men of, <clears throat> so verse eight again, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. One time when I was reading that, he told me, just said to me, No devil will be able to stand before you. All the days of your life. That's where he's taken us. You hear me? It's already true in the spirit. We've got to believe it. So Joshua therefore came up unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And 
the Lord, I love this, and the Lord discomfited. <laughs> Not a nice word. The Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah and unto Makedah. <laughs> so they're winning. Can you tell they're winning? But so, it's a natural war so far. They're winning by, the na- by natural means here so far. It's the Lord giving them. I mean, it, Dave, uh, King David would say, uh, the Lord causes me to run through a troop and leap over a wall. But it was still David. But it was the Lord giving him the strength. Well, so far they're winning in battle, but so far it's natural battle. They, they're winning by sword and shield and pushing them back and doing the right thing. They're winning. Ah, verse 11. God. Now watch how the how God... The Holy Spirit also helped against these enemies. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones. And if you look that up, it's hailstones from heaven upon them unto Azekah and they died. <laughs> there were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. You, do you meditate? I get, I get in this where it's like a movie. I'm, I'm in this thing. I mean, I'll get lost in this. And the clanging of sword and shield and, and the sound of battle and the kicking up the dust and, and I can almost taste that dust in my mouth and, and man, and then all of a sudden, you're doing good. You're pushing the enemy back and here comes a sound. I don't know how, I don't know what hailstones sound like coming out of heaven. <laughs> I'll use the one I used this morning. Bam! And I don't know how many of the enemy died with that hailstone. But you're going, Shazam. <laughs> We've got help. We've got help from a higher power. About that time, zabam. And over on that side. And you're still doing what you're... See, that's a type and shadow. That's the new nature. You're winning the war. You're winning. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But on your own, you need help. And He also helps against these infirmities, these kings, these flesh, this whatever it is that's causing the unbelief. He says, if you'll let me, I will also help. You're praying in tongues. And whatever unbelief, I don't know what it looks like. (laughs) You're praying, you're praying. Maybe you're going to hear, bam. Next time you pray, you get little devils out. I don't know what that would be. I'm trying, I'm trying to teach you. And you, but you keep praying. Zabam! Whoa, I can cast out this level of devil now. I can, I can, now I can heal more than colds in the name of Jesus. Keep praying. Zabam, zabam, zabam. But what's happening? The Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to pray, we don't even know what to do. He is also helping us with our infirmities. So that these enemies that might take us, we might not ever get them all the way one. But there be more. Now get this. His help caused more of your change than what you were doing. There were more that died from the hailstones. That died by the sword. Listen, when the new nature come in and it started dying by the sword, 
That's the type in shadow here. There was a lot of the enemy that died real quick. She was there. She knows. Within just a few weeks, all kinds of enemy died in our house. There was a lot. But he says, if I pray in other tongues, there'll be more die from the hand of the Lord. Can I say it that way? From his help than even what happened from the new nature. The Holy Spirit also. You say, well, yeah, but Gary, you're 73. Do you have time? I'm glad you asked. How did Dave say it, you little flesh creature? Little nasalated flesh creature? Because look at verse 12. This is not in here for no reason. Let's read verse 11 again. I'm sorry. Let's keep it all in context. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah and they died. Unbelief is going to die in you. You hear me? There were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. But what if we run out of time? Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, Joshua is speaking, but it is the Lord who is doing. You talk about also help. How about this one? Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. There's no such thing as running out of time. God lives outside of time. You're an eternal creature, if you know the truth, that lives outside of time. There's no such thing as too late. That's why God, always, the promise is always, I will restore the years that the canker will, that the, I will restore the years that the canker worm has eaten. How can he do that? I don't know how he does that. He's God. But I know it started with Joshua's mouth. And God honored what he said. And it's never too late. It is never too late. I'm telling you, every hour that we come down here and we give ourselves to prayer, in the realm of the Spirit, God is throwing hailstones. And if need be, He'll stop time on your behalf. <laughs> I mean, it's not too late. It's not too late. He's going to restore the years that the canker worm has eaten. And it's going to, the transformation process through this metamorphosis, it's going to come to the place where it's going to be as natural as that orange producing the sweet, fruity f- fruit that it produces. It's just what oranges do. This is what children of God do. Children of God believe. Well, this is easy. It's, and in that one of those prophecies, he says, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will be restored in the earth, and the works of the firstborn you will do also if you'll give me this year. And do the things that I've asked you to do. And he says it will become as natural to you as your next breath. Taking a drink of water. That's pretty easy. I don't have much trouble <gasps> taking a breath. Taking a drink of water. Pretty easy. Oh, time to cast out a devil. Okay. Go. Oh, you have cancer? Come here. 
in the name of Jesus. Go. Excuse me. Take a drink of water. Are you seeing it? Just like the orange. The orange is just doing what the seed in it does. Christ is the seed. Remember a week or so ago, I just kept hearing over and over again. Say it with me. Christ lives in my heart by faith. My job is to believe on him. Whom God has sent into my heart. The works that he did, I do also. Christ lives in my heart by faith. My work is easy. I believe on him. Whom God has sent into my heart. We're going to look back and just, we'll go, B, can you believe we ever thought it was hard? Oh, wait a minute. We got some blind people coming in just a minute. Take a drink of water. Bring bring all the blind right over here in this section. Oh, we got some demon possessed. We'll put them over here and we'll let Gene cast out all these devils right over here. Excuse me just a minute. This is how, this is about how hard it is. Take a sip of water. Gene, go get them, go get those people free of devils. B, open up all these blind eyes and bring the children up front. Sue's going to pray for the children and give them candy. (laughs) We've got to start thinking like God's telling us the truth. And that's what he said. He said, it's going to be just, I think, I know the orange parable is still in the oven. I told you that. I I know it's not perfected yet, but I can already see the end result. There's no strain for an orange to be an orange. Really should be no strain for children of God to be children of God. The image that he put in us is already there. Christ in us. Our hope, our image. Of glory. And as we behold him in his, as in a mirror, as in a glass, we're cocooned. We are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As he is, so are we in this world. So at home, I do this at home first. You think, you know, anyway, Sue never knows what her husband's going to be doing when she comes in. I'm walking around on purpose. I take a glass of water. Just want you to know, devil, it's that easy for me to cast you out. Isn't that what he said? Excuse me. That was a good breath. I just want you to know, devil, it's that easy for cancer to leave when I pray. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are restored in the earth. Say it with me one more time. Christ, the anointed one, lives in my heart by faith. My work is to believe on him whom God has sent into my heart. Doing the works of Jesus is as easy as taking a sip of water. It's as easy as taking my next breath. This is what children of God do. So that the Father's kingdom and His will can be done on earth 
just like it is in heaven. It is that easy. Just want you to know, devil. I know that. Hallelujah. Then you turn yourself over to the Holy Spirit. Who Jesus said is there to lead us into all truth. That means he gets you past. It, wouldn't that mean by definition, if he's going to lead you into all truth, he's going to get you free from all deception? Didn't that, didn't that make sense? You can't have all truth if you're still partly deceived. So in order to lead us into all truth, he has to get rid of any deception that's in us. Well, that deception is the infirmities that's got to be dealt with that we don't even know what they are. Thank God there is somebody who knows what they are. And that is the Holy Spirit. So I am so thankful for Pastor Dave putting us on this path. And I am so thankful for the prayer center opening up the church where we can spend this time in prayer. And thankful also we're not limited to that. You could even add to that at home if you want to. And and I'm going to remind you again, it's down through the centuries the enemy, is your flesh really, has always fought every generation when it comes to prayer. Did you hear that about Hudson Taylor? Great missionary to China, I think it was. And I didn't know that he said this until this week. Somebody quoted him. He says, I've noticed every time that it's a time for a season of prayer that my Venetian blinds need adjusting. (laughs) God, is that not perfectly described the flesh? Because it knows it's dying. It's the one that the hailstones are falling on. It's, it's the part that's got to die. And we don't even know what it is. But thank God for the Holy Ghost that does. For when we know not what we should pray for as we ought. The Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. Why can't they be uttered? Because we don't know what's wrong with us. We'd pray it if we knew. But He makes intercession for us according to the perfect will of God. Trust me, God knows right where you are, right where you need to be. And he will make perfect intercession to get you to where you need to be. With no detours and no side trails, unless we let the flesh have us adjust the Venetian blinds (laughs) and everything else. Now, he's also told me in this season, when I'm done, I'm done. And I'm done. (laughs) Is that good or what? It makes me want to go pray even more, you know.